Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, what this entrepreneur tells students with startup ideas. Go out, talk to as many people as possible. Believe nobody, because everybody has an opinion, and experts especially have only one opinion. Many people confuse innovation with execution. Our next guest is Oliver Schlake. He's a clinical professor of innovation entrepreneurship at the Smith School of Business here at University of Maryland. Oliver, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm often struck by how many people run at the shiny penny of innovation and have no earthly clue about how to execute a business. What are you finding out there in the world right now? Well, I, th I think the innovation part is very much influenced what we see on the West Coast. And we all all thinking this is what we have to do here in, in the town. I think we need to we need to find our own version of what innovation means for for the region. We, we're not about the latest tech all the time. Innovation in, in some parts also means to uh, evolve certain businesses, not always the revolutionary makeover of something. And I think that's interesting and an important key point for us to go from. So, for example, drones. Drones are innovation, but on their own, drones aren't a business, right? Give me how would you how would you answer the question or give an example of how. Drones are innovation, but using drones in a certain way becomes execution of the business. I just um, spoke at the NACS, the National Association for Convenience Store Executives, and the discussion was all over uh, delivery drones as, as a new idea. And people are seeing now that 7-Eleven is using delivery drones, uh, Amazon is want to do that. And I told them, for a convenience store owner, if it's not a large chain, it makes absolutely no sense to use a drone as a technology object to deliver a pack of chewing gum to somebody who lives two miles away. Two miles, because you'd have to have a, a big drone fleet. Yeah, it right. has a big fleet, and, and you'd never recover the cost of, the, of that. Yes, you, you are high-tech, but there's no business model to that. And so, so how do you solve that problem? Well, the, I told them the, the future of that is a pickup drone. You know, it's, it's the errand drone that you own at your house. You know, you will see, uh, my prediction is in, in five to ten years, you will sell a house with a Tesla charger as a special feature and a drone port on top that allows you to pick up stuff within a two to three mile radius. Mm. You know, these drones can carry now up to three, four pounds that these uh, devices can help you pick up your dry cleaning and, and pick up small items. I've had people tell me that this way of thinking about customers is something that they call designed thinking. Do you fall into that in that camp? This is nothing new. We've done this for 10 years. Somebody found a sexy word now for that. And uh, it gets people's attention. And that's why I love it. But at the same time, as a practitioner in this field, it's nothing new if you've been in that, in that industry. But I'm happy that it gets people's attention, that innovation becomes something we need to look at. A because what does customer-centric mean? It means I'm looking at a business model that can be executed where somebody is recognizing the value of what I'm doing. I produce something that costs me less, so I'm more competitive in the market space. So innovation goes both ways. I can use innovation to cut costs. In, in an enormous amount of ways. Uh, it doesn't get enough press, uh, but that's the part where a lot of companies uh, should get really excited on. And by the way, that type of cost innovation attracts a whole different part of people. Because there are different types of people getting involved in innovation. The people who like the revolutionary art of, of innovating, right? That this new, newest gadget and this exciting new toy. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are not involved usually, but they get excited because they have a talent to evolve things. You know, they make something a little bit better and it cuts down 5% of the production cost or they deliver something more accurately or things are more on time. 
But ultimately what you're getting at, I think, is that innovation on its own is an idea, but innovation that actually causes somebody to have a benefit is actually meaningful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, it, it, you know, the benefit is it's a multiple way, multiple ways, you know, on the, on the fancy side, on the, on the excitement part where you can create a differentiated product that people like to spend more money on. You know, the iPhone, the classic example that we always use, it's a differentiated product. Uh, your phone calls don't get better with that. You know, the content of your call doesn't get better. Uh, but then there's the excitement of uh, cutting cost on something or imp improving the process of something and excites a different group of people. Oliver, in the classroom, you've got many students in front of you over the course of a year. We're talking about this this product, this converting innovation to products. How do you actually get them the skills necessary to be able to accomplish this mission? It's an important one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, and it's not easy always because a lot of the students are driven by this rapid gains of you know we're getting public we're becoming millionaires and there's there's a misconception of course in terms of speed so the one thing I I try to instill in them is kind of a grinding attitude that you need to bring to the play this is not happening the the, the early stages of entrepreneurship are really boring. Most people you talk to don't think your idea is great uh, just because they haven't spent as much time on this idea. And uh, of course, there's the fear of failure that a lot of people don't like. And especially young generation uh, likes to have an instant feedback. And that's not often the case. You sometimes work in the dark, in the, in the basements or in the garages. So one of the things that I try to get them involved in is to get out with their ideas. Go out, talk to as many people as possible, believe nobody, because everybody has an opinion and experts especially have only one opinion and hopefully find uh, one or two like-minded people. I see more and more of these ventures being done in small teams. This is for diversity of thought. It is also for the necessity of grinding every single day and not everybody is on the top of the game every day. And so if you create uh, smaller teams with uh, diverse skills, but a like-minded motivation for the business, this is one of the things in class we always stress. And if you if you find it, you know, if you start a software business and you are a software developer, try not to find another software developer to team up and try not to find somebody who is just like you because you're losing the opportunity to add skill set in the initial uh, group of people that you have. Uh, but the hardest part, I think, for, for the, the two things that are difficult for, to understand because our school system has set them up for a very rigorous and structured education. That means people expect to have a, a weekly feedback, they expect weekly homework, but entrepreneurship is totally unstructured. You don't have that. I teach a lot of classes that are considered unstructured, but they're purposely unstructured because the unstructuring of the class is very much like the real life. So one of my philosophies in teaching is I want to create for the students a Star Trek holodeck that gets us as close to reality as possible, but we still don't get hurt. So we'll, we'll try to talk to real companies. We'll, We'll get inspired. We, we're working with companies who, who uh, have ideas to solve and, and, and we work on, on these ideas. But in the end, it's a student who needs to bring up the extra time. And this is one of the challenges. How much are you willing to do outside your regular time at college you know, to make this work? And, and this commitment is critical. This is not something you do during class time. The successful ones go out. They pitch at conferences. They are out on, on our Fridays when we when we have pitch events, when experts come in. You know, these things don't come by its own. There you have it. Great hints from a man who knows. Alva Schlock, a clinical professor of innovation entrepreneurship, University of Maryland, Smith School of Business. Thanks for joining us, Alva. Thank you, Jonathan.
Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online contributors are Michael Hoffman, Barbara Ulrich, and Candace Pye. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.